Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Thrive with Asbury Seminary podcast. I'm your host, Heidi E. Wilcox, bringing you conversations with authors, thought leaders, and people just like you who are looking to connect where your passion meets the world's deep needs. Today on the podcast, I get to talk to Heidi Joe Tandy. So you have two Heidi's talking to each other today. So that's pretty awesome in and of itself. But Heidi and her husband planted Movement Church in Newport, Kentucky in 2014. Heidi also leads with Stadia as the Associate Director of Bloom. So on the podcast today, we talk about all of those things. Plus, we talk about finding your identity in Christ as your ultimate descriptor and her new book, named and known, which you'll want to be sure to grab a copy of that. So I hope you enjoy today's conversation with Heidi. Let's listen. So Heidi, I'm really excited to get to talk to you today. You have a great name. and I'm <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's true. So do you. Yeah. So do you. <laughs> it's not, I don't know if I've ever had a conversation with another Heidi before. So yeah, I, it is a rare name out there. It, Heidi was actually my mom's maiden name. Really? Yeah. So that's why I spell it with a Y. And so um, my mom was Patricia Heidi, and now I'm Heidi Tandy. So there you I go. I love that. I yeah. love that. Yeah. I have My name has no family significance. Yeah. <laughs> my parents just it's like Heidi. the name. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm really grateful that you could be here thank today, you. and I'm looking forward to learning more about your story and your work with Bloom. Yeah. So. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So let's get started. Um, you worked for 10 years as in the leadership development and higher education. So how did you know that you were called to plant a church? Yeah, I was thinking about this question on the way here this morning. And I think knowing that I was going to plant a church, it was sort of more of a slow process. So there wasn't just one moment where I was like, God, we're planting a church. We're, we're going to do it. Um, but I really believe that he has been had been crafting that part of my story and my husband's story for a really long time. And so we always knew in college that we were called to vocational ministry um, together, and we, but we weren't exactly sure what that looked like. Yeah. And so we did four years in youth ministry um, at a church in central Illinois that was an incredible experience. And um, about three years in, we were sitting on the couch and we're exploring what kind of the next step for us was going to look like. And we had met with a career counselor, and the career counselor told my husband, Josh, that she thought that his gift makeup would um, be a, a good mix for church planting. And at that point, I was very much like, Thanks, but no thanks. Like, I'm not going to do that. That's not, I mean, we're called to the church, we're called to vocational ministry, but not, that's, we're not going to plan a church. We're not going to do that. Um, At the time, I was finishing up a master's degree in higher education. And so looking to work with college students in leadership development. And um, a year after that, he got a job at another church and finished his master's work. And I kind of got the dream job of my 20s as a hall director at my alma mater. And um, we worked at a really great church for another four years. And in that time, um, a lot more seeds began to be planted about church planting. Yeah. And we went to an assessment, and that was affirmed and um, planted our, our, our church movement church in Newport, yeah. Kentucky in March of 2014. 
Wow. So what changed your mind, you know, because you were like, no, and I know I've been kind of like, no. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think that confidence came little by little. And the phrase that my husband and I use a lot is confidence in our calling. And it just became a, a, a confidence thing. Like, God has had really um, made it pretty clear to us that that was a next step. Um, there's a line in church planting. I really don't like it when people say this, but I'll say it anyway. Um, they say, like, if you can do anything else, don't plant a church. Um, and <laughs> That's I, not very encouraging. It's not very right? encouraging at all, right? Like, I'm a natural sort of positive person, encourager at heart. And so I really don't love that line. But in our story, it, it is really true. I think we were at a healthy church. We loved the church that we were at for four years when we lived north side of Indianapolis. I really liked my job. And I was at... Um, IUPUI in Indianapolis, a large public university there, and yet um, we couldn't ignore that calling anymore. And it would have been safer to stay where we were. It would have been more comfortable, um, but we knew that God had called us to plant a church, and eventually um, that aligned to plant a a church in northern Kentucky. Yeah. I'm curious how you knew, because you said it was multiple things, and I guess in my own life, sometimes I'm like, how do I know this is not just kind of what I want or I don't want, but this is clear and for sure from God. Yeah. I think, I think it came a lot through the Holy Spirit working in other people to affirm that in us. Um, We, we actually were going to plant a church on the South side of Indianapolis. And that felt like a really kind of safe move for us. Mm -hmm. Um, That's where my husband's family is from. And that's initially where we wanted to plant. And yeah. I actually think that if it wouldn't have been, if we wouldn't have initially thought South Side of Indianapolis, I'm not sure we would have planted. Um, but there were some doors that were slammed shut, and that's cliche, but it, we just couldn't get kind of our initial plans off the ground. And so right. then began partnering with Stadia, which is the organization that we partnered with to launch Movement Church. Yeah. And there were some some groups of people that were ready to go in the Northern Kentucky area. And um, we came down and absolutely felt peace in our spirits about being in Northern Kentucky. We had never been there. We had never, um, we had never felt like, Oh, Northern Kentucky is the place for us before we went down there. But we did have a confidence that we were, and are Midwest people, right? Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of, there was a lot of folks at that time, there were some openings at plants in like uh, California and um, some, some other like really beautiful places, but we just knew, God, you've created us. Um, our background is in the Midwest. We are here. We speak Midwest yeah. and um, there are, there's a need for more churches right. everywhere, including the Midwest. <laughs> right. And so that was another like confidence in our calling piece. And my yeah. family is from a Northeast Ohio. And so we knew that demographically and as a, kind of a family on mission that we wanted the ability for our families to be involved in our kids' lives. Yeah, and sure. um, that's just another little practical thing yeah. that was important to us. No, but that makes sense because it sounds like what you were feeling and kind of the desires that God were God was putting on your yeah. heart kind of aligned with what the community around you was saying to yeah. you, like the assessment that you mentioned and just yeah. some of the other affirmations that you talked about. Absolutely. And I don't believe that God is a treasure hunt God, right? Like I think that he 
there's a lot of right choices for us in any given day or situation, you know? And I think um, he didn't want us to just pick the the perfect thing. And if we didn't pick the perfect thing, it would be wrong. Right. Um, I think he he had a story that was even bigger than us that he was writing. And we just get to be part of following him in Northern Kentucky. Yeah. And yeah. I love that part of life. Yes. Tell me about Planting Movement Church. Yeah. Um, so there's this restaurant in Newport. It's called Pompilio's. And it was in the movie Rain Man. Oh, wow. And so the night after we launched our church, our first pre-launch service, actually, um, my parents were in town, and they took our our son at the time, our one kid, and we sat at Pompilio's and looked across each other, across the table to each other, and we were like, what are we doing? Um, nothing went wrong, really, at the preview service. It was just so many emotions and feelings go into that first sort of public gathering. For sure. Um, and it was, we call it the adventure of our lives. In that moment, it felt like, oh, man, what is happening? Um, but really, it, it has been the adventure of our life. Mm-hmm. So we moved in July of 2013, um, bought a house, and kind of got boots on the ground and built built our launch team. I'm just in our home, some really incredible um, community moments yeah. in our in our home, um, just getting to know people and like consistently putting ourselves out there, which yeah. is a lot. Yeah. Um, so you started in your house. How many people did you have? Yeah. So our first uh, movement church kind of info session meeting um, had three people. Wow, three people. Um, it plus my husband and I. So okay. um, there were there were five of us, and um, just talking about our heart for the church and our heart for planting a church um, for people that aren't part of a church or that have kind of walked away from the church. That is a huge part of what our heart for people is. Um, Northern Kentucky is a really interesting area in terms of uh, we're 60% German Catholic, um, and there's also some really large established churches in the area that are doing great work for the kingdom. Um, At the same time, there's been some pretty... uh, public public church failings over the last 25 years that have been really hard for the community. And so building trust mm-hmm. um, has, is, has been really important to us. Yeah. And um, starting small was, I think, tricky at times, but also just showing up week after week for people has proved to be, proved to be a really important part of our story. Mm-hmm. Um, and just being able to say we're we're still going to be here in five years, yeah. um, and we want to we want to plant one church that makes a legacy impact, not just plant one church and then go and plant another one and go and plant another one. Right. Um, that's like you're here. We're here. Yeah. yeah. We we've the line that we've always said is we want our kids to graduate from school here. Um, we want to plant one church. Um, now I was about to say we want to buy one house, but we did buy another, we moved, um, but we moved on the same street. So yeah. that doesn't really count. So <laughs> we are invested in our, in our area yeah, and in and our in community. Your neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. 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 Where do you guys meet at now? Cause I'm assuming you don't still meet in your house. <laughs> yes, we don't meet in our house. And those were just like launch team gatherings. Uh, we met at a school for the first two years, an elementary school, and met, uh, started meeting at an old Lutheran church that we actually leased. It was built in 1897. Oh, I bet it's beautiful. It is beautiful. Um, it 
we were able to um, make it work for us in terms of technology. Um, so it's a very historical and um, sacred space that I walk in every Sunday and I'm like, God, how cool is it that we get to meet here? Uh, it's a big red church in the East Row Historical District in our neighborhood. And my son calls it the big red building. <laughs> so we're going to the red building. So That's awesome. Yeah. What was your role in the church planning process as you and Josh? Because you and Josh did it together. With yes. A, you had a core team of other people? Correct. Um, so he is the lead pastor. Um, and then I have worn lots of different hats in our story. I think I've learned so much about myself in in our church planting <laughs> life so far. Um, and... It's, it's changed over the years. And so I very much use the language that we planted together. Um, but I've always been in a volunteer space. That will be – I don't anticipate that changing by any means. But uh, early on, I was – uh, helped helped on the worship team. So uh, I play piano because I want to and because I like to, not because I'm a pastor's wife, right? Nice. <laughs> I nice. always say that. Um, I just, I love, I've played piano since I was in first grade. So that was, that was a, that's a fun way for me to get to connect with the Lord and lead others. Um, and I love leading small groups. I love having people in my home. Um, I will serve in kids. That's not my thing. I try my best, but it Thank is... Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I so appreciate you saying that because yeah. people try to get me to work with... I love children. Yeah. But I'm like you. I'm like, isn't there something else? Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. That is a really common thing that I hear a lot in working with women church planters is I think they... Ex- they have... We have some sort of weird expectation of ourselves that like we should want to work with kids or we should want to serve in the children's ministry. And my kids are in the children's ministry, so I want to step up. I, I oh, teach sure. in the first through fifth once a month and fill holes if I need to. But the truth is, like, I have other skills that our church needs and where I can open those spots up for other people. And it's okay that it's not my favorite thing. Yeah. I love so, that. I'm telling you this today. It's okay that that's not your favorite thing. I feel kind of, they asked me, and I feel kind of guilty because yeah. I was like, you know, no, I feel like I would need a supervisor yeah. to supervise me watching the children because I'm like, not, you know, just because I'm like not very good with children. Yeah. yeah. You know, like what if they cry or something? I don't know what yeah, to what do. I do. Yeah, yeah. totally. But it, setting up a podcast, you can do that. Yeah. For your, all yeah, day long. All yeah. day long. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I hear that a ton with women is that we have these preconceived notions of what we sh- the areas that we should serve or areas that we can serve yeah. and areas where we can't serve yeah. and the truth is i really believe that every woman has her own gifting and calling and things that she can do with excellence that another woman can't do with excellence yeah. and so it is a a theme of my life and a goal of my life to help women find what that thing is. And I think a lot of times we fill, we are hole fillers, right? Like we will fill whatever hole needs to be filled. And especially as a, as a pastor's wife, um, I think I'm just like, well, I'll just step up and I'll fill that hole. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, um, sometimes we step into holes that weren't, that we're not supposed to, to fill in the first place. And so I think as we've gotten our feet off the ground a little bit and cause at the beginning, it's like everybody, we we got to fill everything. We got to get everything done. But eventually, there becomes a time in 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 the life of a church where we can you can hone in on what your 
but your sweet spot yeah. is. So my sweet spot today is way different than it was five years ago. My sweet spot today, I still I love having people in my home, and we host a small group on Monday nights. Um, that's a sweet spot for me, and I love to host our services. So mm-hmm. I love to do the announcements, to read scripture, to kind of help set the tone for our services. Uh-huh. Um, I, I'm a tone setter. I like to do that. <laughs> um, and that's, if I had to pick anything, that's what I would be. And we do have lots of piano players right now. So um, I've kind of moved out of that spot and done some other things that I yeah. can do. And, and yeah. all of those things are okay. How did you learn how to do that? Because I'm assuming it didn't just happen. So how did you learn more about who you were and kind of as a woman in church planting and things like that? I think I have learned who I am as a woman in church planting once again, little, little by little. And so I I, I believe that we are never done or finished. There is part of me that wants to wants to be finished. Like I have all the answers about who I am, the end period. Right. Um, but I think in my thirties, I've been able to give myself more permission to say, I think who I'm not. And that has helped me to identify who I am a lot more. And so, um, was that yeah. discouraging though, to realize who you're not because of the expectations that we place on ourselves and then that kind of other people, especially as a pastor's wife or a pastor, like mm-hmm. they get a lot more expectations. But I know I face that, you know, like the expectations I think I have, you know, I have for yeah. myself and then other people. So how do you? Yeah, I think I think it was slow and steady, but I, I came to a, a, a point um, – we launched a, a baby church. We launched our church in 2014. I also had, and that was March. I also had a baby in 2014. So you had so, two babies. Yeah, basically. so a baby church and an actual baby, like yeah. a child. Um, and that was bonkers. And But that sort of gave me some built-in boundaries where I legitimately had to say, I cannot do that because I have a, a two-year-old and an infant. And there were things that I just absolutely could not do. And so that was some built-in boundaries. Um, And I'll be honest, there were days where that was really frustrating. Because honestly, I'm probably better at – I have a teaching and education background, so I'm probably better at leading a group of college students through, like, icebreakers and tea building. I'm probably better at that than, like, being home with a baby and a (laughs) two-year-old. I wake up in the morning, it's 8.15, and I'm out of things, out of ideas of what to do with them. (laughs) Um, I'm just – that was a really hard season for me to be able to say, I don't know what to do with these humans. I'm I'm trying my best. Like, God, I I don't have it in me without your help to give them what they need. And and yet I know that – um, that this is not forever, even though it was a time that I was really stretched. Right. And it's not like you didn't love your kids. And yeah, absolutely. I, I would love for women to be able to say to themselves and to give themselves permission to say that this is really hard and it's okay that it's hard and it's, it's not forever and that's okay. And I realize I just say that, but I just said that. But I think we can say that. You can't say that enough. I think um, 
And to be able to see kind of, I think hindsight is twenty twenty. so I'm making this vision metaphor for 2020, which I'm already <laughs> sick of those metaphors. But um, I think in hindsight, I, I am not going to say that that time in my life went fast. Um, I think that is a way that we as parents and women can kind of shame each other saying like, don't blink, it goes so fast. Or um, you're going to miss these days, which when I heard that, that just felt like shame, 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 shame. Because I was like, oh, I'm going to miss these days. So I have to soak it all up. But like I said, I'm out of ideas at 8.15. So how do I, how do I reconcile that? And so it literally, like a scripture that I clung to during that time was his mercies are new every morning. His mercies are new every morning, which I needed him because mm-hmm. I had nothing in the tank, nothing. Yeah. And while I look back now and I, and my kids are five and seven now, I'm, I'm not going to say that it went so fast or that it was super easy. Um, but I am going to say that that shaped me and taught me things that I will be probably relearning and reapplying for the rest of my life. Yeah. 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 What were some of those things? Because one of, I don't know if this leads into it at all, but one of the things in your book named, uh, named and known, mm-hmm. is that right? Yeah. One of the things you talked about was knowing, learning to know yourself as a child of God yeah. and finding your identity in him. Yeah. So what were some of the things that you learned and like we're relearning all the yeah. time, but yeah. What were some of those things that you learned? Yeah. Well, I'm a recovering perfectionist. Same. Um, I'm not sure I'm recovering, but I I'm trying. <laughs> I'm, I'm working on it. I'm, I'm a recovering perfectionist. Um, I had and have a lot of expectations when I wake up in the morning. I have a lot of plans for myself and lists and goals and all of that. Um, in in that time of my life, I think I really, I had I had no choice but to say, okay, what is the absolute most important? Um, so I talk about knowing who we aren't. I also feel like knowing what our priorities aren't. So I'm, there's, I'm messing up the English language there, but I think knowing... Um, you're not priority list. So just really practically, that time in my life, my house was not going to look like a Pottery Barn catalog. Like Whose I, right? Really I know. Anyway, <laughs> like I, I actually really enjoy. I enjoy to clean. I enjoy um, kind of styling a room. I think that's really fun. Um, I love this podcast <laughs> styling. I think it looks so great. Well, thank um, you. But at the same time, that could not be a priority during that time of my life. Like there's nothing like you, you're not going to look in a pottery barn catalog and see a baby swing or a rock and play or like loads and loads of like, like laundry, you know, they yeah. don't show that, you yeah, know, cause it's not real, cause life. it's not real life. Yeah. And so that I, that was a huge lesson in that time that that was not a priority for me. Um, another thing I learned in that, in that time was that, yeah, just once again about perfection. Like mm-hmm. I'm I'm not going to be able to – I talk about this in the book. I'm not going to be every mommy blogger, which right. I hate that term, but like yeah. um, have a blog. But it doesn't have to be a mommy blog. Just It's, it's a blog. <laughs> so you can cut that out. But um, yeah, like I'm not going to be like the super money-saving mom who spends $25 a week on groceries and the but, – but everything's organic – and I cloth diaper, and I um, serve in all of these areas. It's like, I cannot be all of those things. I can. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think that I am the exception. Like, oh, I can do all of those things. Um, but I'm not, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, and it's just, I had a, a 
print in my house at that time, grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. And that's what I needed and what I still need. But just really reminded in that time that um, just keep showing up for your people, for your humans. And a really special thing was that I remember sitting at a retreat with with my daughter. She was two months old, and I was at a retreat for women in church planting. And I remember journaling and being so frustrated. And I and I I get a little dramatic with God, and I think I was like, God, when is it going to be my turn? Like knowing at at those those spaces, like that's one of my favorite things to get. I'm like, could I ever lead in a space like this? That felt so far away. And but now it with my role with Stadia and Bloom, I'm getting to do all those things that I wanted to do yeah. then that I could have never done without being faithful in that time. Mm, yeah, that's a good word. Because I think, I know I often want to rush ahead oh, me into too. whatever the next thing me is. Too. I'm like, I'm what I'm thinking about in these days right now is trying to be present where I am. Because yeah. I'm always like, oh, I need to do this and this and this. And then I can just rest or relax or move on to this event and, yeah. you know, then I'll be happy. And that never happened, you yeah. know, because they're never done or like, or I want to rush on because I'm like, I have this dream like you were talking about. Yeah. 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 The then I'll be happy line. We all do that to ourselves, right? Yeah. Like if, if I complete this to-do yeah. list, right? If I, if I have this achievement at work or if I do this and this and this, then I will be happy. Um, and some of that gets into some deeper identity stuff, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, I'm an Enneagram two. If we speak Enneagram, yeah, we speak Enneagram. Um, <laughs> Enneagram two, and I can wing both ways, but probably more towards a three, where okay. um, productivity is something that I really value. Um, but who I am is not what I produce. Who I am has already been done, mm-hmm, and I word. talk about that a lot in in Named and Known, and the yes. women that share in that book is that um, it is. It is. I am who you say I am. Like I'm, yeah. and that has nothing to do with what I check off yeah. or what I produce. How do you discover your identity in Christ? Because I hear a lot of people talk about, oh, find your identity in Christ. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure how to do that yeah. actually. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, that's a really good. It's a really good question. I think there's no one way to do it. Um, I I believe that God knows us intimately and knows you intimately. And so he will meet you in your quest to learn more about yourself. Um, now, I I grew up very much in like a sometimes Bible reading and exploring scripture was part of a to-do list. And so yes. like yes. You know, where I'm going to do my quiet time and this is what it's going to be, whatever that means. But I, I really do think that going to God's word, going to scripture is a primary way for us to find out who we are because he says a lot of things about us in there. Um, And if we start there, if the gospel is that starting point, then I think that frees us up to use all the tools that are available to us, um, like the Enneagram. And I love Myers-Briggs. I love StrengthsFinder. Disc. I get the privilege of getting to walk with new church planters, men and women, through uh, Church Planting Assessment Center that mm-hmm. Stadia offers. And we offer all of those tools. Um, Culture Index is another um, another item that we have started using. And but the the personality tests they are not the gospel. The gospel is the gospel. And sometimes <laughs> right. I think we treat these like, oh, well, I'm a I'm a two, so 
whatever. I'm right. just going to sit in my Tunis, you know, which is so like even Enneagram experts would say, don't do that. Right. Um, but I think um, we start with God's word. God, God says this about me. God says that I am loved. Um, I think the older I get, the more I turn into a hippie where I'm just like, do you know that God is crazy in love with you? Like yeah. that in that if I could spend the rest of my life meditating on the fact that Jesus loved me so much that he died for me. Like, that's that's love, right? That is um, that is absolute, like, that he loves me so much that he would do that, that he um, came to earth, you know, that he didn't have to do that. Um, and I think starting with love, starting uh, a place that I always go is um, – it's the fruit of the spirit, um, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Um, those, those kind of like, um, I'm thinking more scripture that I've, I've even talked to my kids through music, but, um, things that, uh, finally brothers, whatever is true, whatever yeah. is noble, whatever's right. Like, um, when we focus on love and those things that he has asked us to focus on, then I think we can look at ourselves um, through a kind place. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Not, not at, I have to figure out who I am because if I don't figure out who I am, then I'm not going to be enough. Or I'm not going to be what I'm supposed to be. Um, right. If I never heard the word enough or supposed to or should for the rest of my life, I feel like I'd be right. good. Yeah, because even, I like that you said that, because even just trying to learn more about ourselves yeah. in relationship to God, that can also turn into a, like you were saying, like, I should do this yeah. or I'll never be enough. Like, I have yeah. to accomplish this task or I won't, I won't be a fulfilled human. Yeah. And the truth is, if even the the process of learning about yourself, they're like, God's all over that too. Like, God wants to meet with us and know us, even if we don't know ourselves, right. you know? Yeah. He's not going to be like, okay, you do all this work on yourself, know yourself, and then I'll I'll be with you. Um, no, he, he, he's with us even in the, um, even in the, in that searching, even in that learning. Um, and that, that in itself is, that's okay. It's yeah. okay to have that process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to shift for a minute okay. and just let you talk about Bloom and your role there and what you do and how you're seeking to empower women yeah. through that. Yeah. Um, Bloom is all about helping women thrive in church planting. So we do this in several different ways. Um, one thing I love about getting to work with with women in church planting is that that looks different for every woman. Um, so we work with and serve women who are lead pastors and co-pastors, but also women who are um, who are single and work full-time at churches. Um, we work with women who are work full-time in the marketplace, part-time in the marketplace. Maybe they're home with kids. Maybe they um, serve in other contexts, uh, nonprofit world, et cetera. But we exist to help women be empowered to maximize their role in starting churches, whatever that role is. And it is, I talk about my dream job in my 20s, but it has been the job I never knew that I needed, but um, that I wake up every day and I'm so excited that yeah. I get to do the work that I get yeah. to do. 
What does your what does your role look like? Yeah, um, so I I work with women through several different parts of church planting. So it might be helping to design learning opportunities for women. So we had one in January with um, Albert Tate who shared about goal setting, and so I help um, kind of develop content for areas that women need to learn about or want to learn about. Um, I also help run a retreat for women in church planting every year. So last year in Charlotte, North Carolina, we had about 125 women from all across the country come in um, and have a three-day retreat where um, our, our main goal is that they would have sacred space to connect with God and with each other. And so that is one of our kind of signature programs that we offer. Um, I get to wear my podcast hat a little bit like you get to wear Heidi um and so do a couple episodes on that but um my friend Sarah Burnett runs our Bloom podcast, and so that comes out uh, bi-weekly and just awesome. talks about different ways where women can thrive in church planting. Yeah. So uh, it's lots of different things. Not every day looks the same, yeah. um, but my main goal is to just make sure that women are empowered to thrive in whatever their ministry context looks like. Yeah, and for those listening, we'll link to all of this in our show notes. Yes, so thank you. If you're you. interested in the podcast or any of the other resources, yeah. you can go check that out too. Thank so, you. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk about your book. Yeah. Named, thank you. Named and is it named and known? Named and known. Yep. Named and known. Yes. Yeah. So why did you compile that? Yeah. Well, in 2018, um, I came on staff with Bloom in 2018, but have been involved with Bloom since the beginning of my church planting okay. journey. So, yeah, because Stadia yeah. was part of your church plant. Yeah. So I have two sort of Stadia hats. So not only did we plant our church with Stadia, now I work with Stadia um, on staff with Bloom, um, but was involved with them from the very beginning. So I went to my first Bloom retreat in October of 2013 before we even launched because I knew that I needed help and I needed community. And that was the really one of the only things I knew to do. Yeah. And which so, I, yeah, which I think is important because in your book, you talked about just even knowing that you need help and reaching yes. out for the help that you need. Yeah. I needed help. I did not know what to do with myself. Like I didn't, I didn't know what my role was going to be at our church. Some women who are listening may know exactly kind of what their sweet spot's going to be at that time in my life. I didn't know, but I knew that I wanted to be around women who were a little bit further ahead of me on the journey who could say, um, this is what I did here. And that doesn't mean that that's what you have to do, but this is how I kind of found my purpose or found my mm-hmm. role or found, um, found even joy in those really beginning stages that are really, can be really difficult. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I was, I've been involved with Bloom since that very beginning. And, um, but in 2018, when I first came on staff, we were hearing a lot from women that, this identity piece was something that they were exploring. Yeah. Um, even even now, um, I still think this who am I conversation, you and I have been talking about this already today, um, is a huge part of of a church planner's story. So who who am I? What what does God say about me? Um, what what does identity look like in this time of my life? And so uh, I reached out to – we had about 14 writers who shared their stories in Named and Known and just how 
they experienced identity. And so I broke it down into four different parts. The book's in four parts. Um, Unknown identity. So tell me about a time where where you weren't sure kind of who you were (laughs) and what did that look like? And so we have some stories from, I talk about how I thought in seventh grade I wanted to be a marine biologist. (laughs) (laughs) And I was certain that that's what I wanted to do, except I really just wanted to go to SeaWorld. Right, Um, you wouldn't in the seventh grade. That's what I'm saying. I loved, I was obsessed with, with SeaWorld and wildlife and water. Um, but then there's some, also some really powerful stories about women and what they learned about themselves mm-hmm. when they weren't sure kind yeah. of that who they were. So sure. unknown identity. Um, mistaken identity is the section, second section. Um, so what who did you think maybe you were supposed to be or maybe how did you put others' expectations on yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, my friend Shannon Smith wrote an incredible chapter about how do you – carry other people's expectations of you in ministry yeah. and um, wh- whatever that capacity looks like for you. Um, it it was, It's an incredible chapter. Yes. I read um, it yesterday. Yeah. It's a good read. I read it in like two hours yeah. and it was beautiful. I'm not even a church planner, yeah. but I could identify with so much of the identity and the expectation things and it was super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And knowing, I know Shannon, um, I've known her for, for years now and she's just the real deal. And all these women, I mean, some I know better than others, um, but just are living these things out on the front lines, you know, um, and took the time to share their stories. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I think that's super helpful because each one, a different kind of woman will be able to identify with. Exactly. That's so important to help you know that you're not alone. Yeah. And that was so important to our team um, as we were dreaming about the book that, so we have lead lead planters we have um women who work in the marketplace we have women who have um who we have a couple stadia women that that wrote for the book we have women with college kids we have women with babies we have a uh, one woman that's in pre-launch that shared her story and it's my goal would would be that um that there would be a story that each woman that read it would be able to say yeah. that, I, like, I see myself in that story. Even, like, urban, suburban, rural, there's all yeah. – it's all represented in yeah. that book. Yeah. And I'm I'm grateful for the women that shared. Yeah. Um, I interrupted well. you before you got to the other two sections. Yes, of the other book. two. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so the third section is unexpected identity. So life throws us curveballs, and then our who we are may shift from where we think we're going to be. And so um, – I, I share a little bit about uh, my story with having um, a child on the autism spectrum yeah. and how that has kind of shaped me in an unexpected part of, of my life. And then um, there's some other um, really powerful stories. My friend Michael shares a, a really cool um, story and a really difficult story in her church planting and ministry journey that I will not spoil, but it's really great. <laughs> Read Michael's chapter. Um and then the last section is secure identity. And so the prompt mm-hmm. that I gave these women are what, where do you soar? Um, where do you see yourself um, in your sweet spot? And we're, I've said sweet spot a bunch yeah. in our recording, no, but, but where, yeah, yeah, where is your sweet spot? And I love that um, uh, women who are in pre-launch could share where their sweet spot was, and then women who have been planting for 10 plus yeah. years are in their sweet spot. And an Asbury Seminary student shares in that yes. section too. My friend Kim Bolden. Yes, I read so, that. And yes, I was shout like, out to her. I know her. And yeah. then I like looked in the back. So I was like, how many Kim Boldens can there yeah. be? And I was she like, oh yeah. She is such a talented writer. Yeah. And yeah, yeah really powerful. Sure. 
Yeah. That's awesome. Anyway, I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you for sharing about it. Thank you. It was so fun. So I'm curious about the name too. Yeah. Like why did you pick Named and Known? Oh, good question. Um, Named and Known, we we had this whole like like one page document. We called it the one pager internally. And it was just kind of our uh, kind of manifesto to what Named and Known was about. And so the named piece, like, so God knows our name. God knows who we are, what he says about us before we're even born. And so he knows our name. We have all these other, like, names for ourselves, um, maybe positive probably as women, a lot of times they're negative or stories that we tell ourselves to borrow some Brene Brown language. <laughs> yes. Um, so he knows us. He knows our name. Um, and then to take known again, he he knows our stories. He knows our lives. He knows um, the intimate parts of us that we still are um, still figuring out. And um, I'm reading this book right now. And I was like, am I going to be able to make it through this interview without talking about this book? But, um, <laughs> no, bring it. <laughs> it's uh, How to Lead in a World of Distraction by Clay Scroggins. Okay. And he is talking about how we fill our lives up with so much noise and so much distraction. And we don't know ourselves. And we don't kind of know what our own sort of emotional reactions are or responses to things um, that our responses is just fill up with noise so I don't have to – face what's really going on Mm -hmm. and I think named and known that known piece like God knows what's going on God knows what's happening in those deepest part of us Mm -hmm. when that's the last thing that we want to deal with or face yeah and so how to lead in a world of distraction by by Clay Scroggins is an amazing read yeah yeah for sure um I also want to talk a little bit about, in your book, you talked about the comparison issue and the robbiness of joy. So let's go there if we could for a minute. (sighs) Yeah. This comparison game is a game that we play. Um, I think men and women both play the comparison game. This is not um, just a a woman thing. Um, I think the cocktail of it looks different for, for men and women, but... I think the comparison game, even in church planting, in our first two to three months, you get the same the same questions. Um, how many people are there? Um, how many decisions did you have for Christ? All all those right, things, yeah. important things. We 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 numbers are important. Um, numbers don't tell the whole story, right? Numbers, um, yeah, you can yeah, get that no, out. no totally numbers don't, don't tell the whole yeah, story. They totally but, don't. Um, but then it made me think around like plants that launched around the same time as we did like oh man like they're larger than we are or like I think there is a a question that that you're always asking at the beginning is like are we gonna make it yeah and which um, is normal yeah and which is not guaranteed like I am very I I call myself very Disney and I just assumed very early on okay God called us that means we're gonna be successful God didn't say that we were gonna be (laughs) successful um my husband is more of the realist in the relationship um he just called us to be faithful. God just called us to be faithful. Um, he didn't call us to be successful. Right. And so I say that in the comparison game in in that we are called to live our own story and to stay in our own lane, not anybody else's mm-hmm. lane. Um, and I think the more we can stay in our own lane and cheer women on who are not in that lane. Like right. if I, I want to spend the rest of my life just like – fearlessly like cheering women on um a a lot of times 
I'll, we'll have a woman preach her first sermon um, at, at a church. I want to be that person that has a, that sends her a text in the morning and says, you're going to kill it today. Yeah. Um, I, a lot of times, will have um, women who may, uh, yeah, just serve in a new area that they've never served before or learn something about themselves at an assessment. Assessment is a great um, incubator for women to learn about themselves. Um, where it could be the first time that a woman has ever heard, you you should be speaking up front or you provide warmth and care in a really impactful way. How can you stay in that lane? Like, I want to be that woman who says, like, go, like, do it. Like, do what you uniquely have been yeah. gifted to do. And yeah. I want to spend the rest of my life cheering on women to do that. Yeah. What would you tell a woman who feels called to plant a church or called into a new area of leadership um, but isn't sure where to start? Yeah, I would say um, find someone who's been there. So whether you uh, find my email address on the show notes page today (laughs) um, and email me, uh, I would be happy to connect you. Um, We have some great people on Stadia's discovery team that would love to um, just explore what could church planting look like for you? Um, I, I think about who who in your life um, who's a little bit further along on the journey could help could help you. Um, I'm in the process of doing a bunch of learning around mentoring, okay. and I think I am seeing and see data that backs up this need for someone who's a little bit further along than you. Sure, um, that takes us being brave and asking for help, but, and I have learned this firsthand that the more we ask for help, the more we say, you're a little bit further along, what can I learn from you? Follow me as I follow Christ, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That really is an incredible experience. Um, I'm actually leading a workshop with my friend Carrie Williams at Exponential on mentoring. And so she has done a bunch of research, um, shout out to my friend Gary, about <laughs> um, about mentoring and that we need – it's in, in an ideal world. Now, I'm a numbers person, so I, I want to follow the rules. Um, a really helpful way to think about mentoring um, is having three people that have gone before you, so three people ahead of you on the journey, uh, three people who are right with you that you can send like – a Voxer message or a, <laughs> a stress text, right? Like yeah. somebody who can just say like, yeah, I'm there too. Mm-hmm. Like nobody came this Sunday. It was hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> or it was a, a, a down Sunday and we had donuts and we thought it was going to be amazing, mm-hmm. right? Somebody who can share in the journey with you and can celebrate with you too. And then three people that you are pouring into and investing in. Um, and so three mentors, three really like just kind of, same space relationships, and then three people that you're pouring into, and that can make a significant impact. Yeah, for sure, because you have a built-in community. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not – that community is intentional. Like, I think a lot of times women will say, I don't have anybody pouring into me. And I will challenge them and say, have you asked for it? And and maybe you've asked for it, and it wasn't a good fit. Um, But sometimes we have to keep asking. Yeah. Yeah. And it's worth it. It is worth it. I have met with the same mentor monthly since the fall of 2015. Wow. And she and yeah, we're about to Vanessa Pugh, we're about to celebrate five years. Um, but month every month, like she's asking me questions and helping me to just lead stronger. Um, and that's looked different in 
in five years, but I am I'm grateful for it. Yeah. And it took me putting myself out there and saying, would you have time to mentor and disciple me once a month? Um, I gave her specific questions I wanted her to ask me about. Mm-hmm. And it has worked and that's, it doesn't have to be, we go through a book and we talk about all these things like, will you just check up on me? And and that's enough. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that's beautiful. Thank you. Why do you think it's so important that we equip and train both men and women to be church planners? So good. I I love this question. (laughs) Um, Because I think, well, 50% 50% of the population, it's 50 point something, um, are women. And so we want to make sure that our churches are empowering men and women to 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 lead um, in whatever that looks like. And so I think um, men and women both need uh, – both both kind of internal training um, to, to know themselves, like I've talked a lot about in this podcast so far, but then just nuts and bolts training about what does it look like to actually plant a church. Yeah. And so at Stadia, we talk about um, aptitude. So your your makeup, your gifts, your um, how your yeah, just who the Lord has made you to be, um, things that may not change, right? Like there, everybody has their right. own um, own aptitude. Uh, we say like a a, a six foot nine person um, may have the aptitude for basketball, right? Like there's an aptitude yeah. there. Yeah. Now, not every six foot nine person is going to play in the NBA, right? <laughs> um, there is. So we talk about aptitude, but then readiness. Um, there's the the readiness piece. Are you ready to plant a church? Have you had experiences and training and um, even just people around you who can help you have? Um, have this right skill set that is going to help you plant a, a, a stronger church for the long term, right? Mm-hmm. Not just some somebody that's going to have a great launch Sunday, but somebody that can lead a community um, to for make the, an impact yeah. for the long term, right? Yeah. Men and women. And so that aptitude and readiness piece is, is huge when we think about um, church planting in general. And um, I think there's a lot of, of – people that want to explore church planting, and I love that, Um, but is the aptitude and readiness there? I think those are good questions to ask Mm -hmm. if someone's considering church planting both both men and women. Yeah, for sure. For sure. As we wrap up the podcast today, is there anything else that you want to talk about that we haven't covered yet? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot more that we can cover, but we've covered a lot. We have really covered a lot. Um, I just... If you if you are called to church planting, um, if you believe that God has planted that seed in your heart, and um, I just want to say, go after it. It's the adventure of my life. I love it, and I um, I believe that um, church planting is a great way to to and, and a really powerful way to to engage lost people. Um, this is all about. I mean, I, we've always said with our church that we're not interested in transfer growth. Like, if you're going to a church, like, go there, pour in there. Um, but there are um, millions of lost people in the world, billions of lost people in the world, mm-hmm. and um, I believe that church planting is a great way to help more people find and follow Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. That without the local church, wouldn't ever have a have a um, opportunity to hear the gospel. And yeah. so um, if you're called to plant a church, I'm, I'm saying, yes, do it. Do the work. <laughs> um, um, but I, I really do believe in church planting, even even though it's hard. Yeah. 
For sure. Well, nothing yeah. is easy. Right. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. For sure. So we have one question that we ask everybody. I'm so excited for as the we last wrap question. up. Yeah, as we wrap it up. So because our podcast is called the Thrive with Asbury Seminary Podcast, what is one practice, spiritual or otherwise, that is helping you thrive in your life right now? Okay. I, I'm gonna go with two. I couldn't narrow it down. I almost came with a top ten list for you, Heidi, but <laughs> I would love I've got that. I've got two for you. Um one is silly, one is not. Um first, I'll go with the silly one. And if this podcast comes out in March, I understand this is will not be as popular because it just came out. But I loved the show Cheer on Netflix. Oh, I watched yeah. it all in two days. It was, I it was great. Um, I just really like a good a good comeback story, and um, I felt like it was just really well done. And I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually don't watch a lot of TV, but I loved Cheer. Um, but then a a practice that's helping me thrive is I love the She Reads Truth. Um, yes. Bible reading plans, mm-hmm. um, and the I have the hard copy Bible that I really enjoy, and um, it's beautiful. Well, it is beautiful um, from the maps to the scripture graphics, everything. I really enjoy it, um, and the I just really want. The language I've been using in my head is primary versus secondary source. Like, I really want to get back to the primary source this year um, to get in the word before I um, read a book or read an audio book or listen to a podcast. Like, I want to have gone to the the word of God first. And so the She Reads Truth plan that I'm doing is a Bible in a Year plan. Um, Right now I'm in Genesis and John and just sitting down and having the discipline to just get in the word every day is really helping me thrive. Yeah. Um, and it no, is a discipline. It is a discipline. And discipline doesn't always mean that like I like there's doves flying down from heaven, right? right. Um sometimes I sit on my couch and I, I get it done and um and I may not have had something that jumped out to me that day, but but I still showed up. Yeah. And I think that's that's really important. Yeah. Um it's the showing up. It is. It totally is. Um and then on, and I, I made this goal that when I'm 40, I want my Bible to be completely like marked. Like I want to tear up my Bible by the time I'm 40. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think sometimes I go to my phone and then I forget kind of what I've underlined and highlighted. So I love thinking about like what, how can I really just like mark up my Bible? Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also have the same plan on my phone in case like I'm at a spot where I want to like read scripture yeah, in, totally. the, in yeah. the pickup line and yeah. I don't have my Bible, et cetera. Um, but yeah, the 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 scripture has been uh, something that's really been helping me to thrive, and I I hope that that is my uh, my story for years to come. Yeah, so. that's awesome. Thank you Thanks, so much, Heidi. Heidi. I've really enjoyed our conversation, yeah, and just appreciate you taking the time to stop yeah. by. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I love the studio. This has been so fun. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining me for today's episode with Heidi. I really appreciate her words about finding your identity in Christ, comparison, and expectation. And I'm just so grateful for the work that she's doing in the world. Like we said during the show, we'll link to all of the resources that she mentioned, especially her book, Named and Known. And if you haven't already done so, you'll want to be sure to grab a copy of that. So thank you, Heidi, and I'm just so grateful for the work that she's doing in the world, and I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation as well. Until next time, I hope you all have a great day, and go do something that helps you thrive.